to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We uh, finished a series on the life of Peter. We followed Peter as he followed Jesus from the Sea of Galilee and Nazareth region uh, down to Jerusalem, uh, to the cross and to the empty tomb. And so I thought it'd be good after doing that series is to walk through uh, one of Peter's letters. Because we saw kind of Peter at his worst in that first series. And now we got to see how Peter has, God has grown Peter. And you can see how he's done that through his letter to the churches in 1 Peter. So when you take a look at the whole letter of 1 Peter, it's not a long letter, it's a couple chapters long. Uh, but it's a great one. And so we'll be starting that off today uh, in 1 Peter. We call it 1 Peter because it's the first letter we have from Peter that's in our Bibles today. He probably wrote other letters, but we don't have those. But we do have 1 Peter. And 1 Peter starts off in a way that most letters in those days typically start off. It's very, very formal. And it starts off something like this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who knows where those are at? <laughs> Extra donut for you, if you know where those are at. Okay, so it's in modern-day Turkey today. So he's right in the area we call Asia Minor. It's in modern-day Turkey, all the cities. He continues. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, and sprinkled with his blood, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And then it gets crazy. So Carrie did a great job reading that letter, the next part. She did a great job. But she didn't really convey the, uh, the intent or the passion behind it. Because it's really one run-on sentence. Because Peter is so excited to share this next bit here. So it it really should have been read like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given you a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power into the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It is a shot across the bow of the ships of despair and hopelessness. And so we take a look in depth at what Peter says here. He says this first. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given you new birth. And that's an odd phrase. Because typically you get one birth, right? You don't get a new birth. But he's reflecting back on what Jesus said to a guy named Nicodemus. It's recorded for us in John chapter 3. Nicodemus meets with Jesus, and Jesus starts teaching Nicodemus. And he says to Nicodemus, he says this, Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless that person is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. 
And Jesus begins that, gives that beginning instruction on baptism. That in baptism you are given the gift of water and the spirit. And that being baptized into Christ, you're given that gift of being born again. That new life through Jesus Christ. And Peter talks about that in his first sermon in Acts chapter 2. He's preaching in the temple courtyard area. It's a huge, huge area. And it's about thousands of people. There are about 3,000. And at the end of this sermon, they say, well, what shall we do now? And Peter says to them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. And the Greek word there for children is pedeia, which is where we get the word pediatrician. Right? So it's not big kids, it's little kids. This gift is for you. It's for your kids. And so Peter celebrates this new birth that Jesus gives through baptism. This birth into a new family of God. And it's pure gift. It's nothing you've done to earn it or deserve it. It's just a gift for you. And you can walk away from the gift if you want to. We don't preach once baptized, always saved here. It's a gift you can walk away from. You can say, you know what? I'm done. But when you're going through a tough time in life, when life gets hard, you start to wonder, does God really love me? Is God really on my side? You can go back to your baptism and say, yeah, no, you know what? God's claimed me. I'm his. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm feeling. Maybe going through a tough time. But God's claimed me as his own. Through a new birth. And that's what Peter celebrates here. And then he continues. He says this. In his great mercy, he's given you a new birth into a living hope. And the church that he's writing to in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, they needed hope because we can infer from the rest of 1 Peter that they are undergoing persecution and it's beginning persecution around the 60s AD. That's tough stuff. Uh, thankfully, it's something here we don't have to experience, although some of you may have experienced it in a minor way. But you have all gone through hardships and trials and trying times. In times if you wondered if God really loved you, if God was really on your side, if God really cared. We've all gone through those times. And so Peter has some good words for us later on. We'll get to those in a little bit here. He says this also at the end of the reading. He says, in all those things I just talked to you about, in all that, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, and these have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your, of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So here's the analogy that, that Peter's setting up here. He says, you know what? When you get gold, right? When you mine for gold, you take the gold and, very simply put, you put it in some fire and you burn off the dross, right? You burn off the bad stuff. And then in the end, you got pure, precious, valuable gold. 
And so Peter sets up that analogy that just as gold is refined by fire, so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, goes through trials, goes through hardships, goes through challenging times, and in the end, what you have as a result is a stronger, more pure, more precious faith, the best thing you have. But here's the thing. Fire hurts. Anyone here ever been burned? <laughs> like, you know, you, you grab something off the stove, and you're like, whoa, that was a little high, right? Or even worse. I've been told that burn injuries are the worst type of injuries of them all. I don't know that for a fact, and I don't want to test it for myself, you know? So I'm going to state it as fact, because I don't want to know any better. Fire burns off dross, but fire, it destroys too. So what's the difference? What's the difference between a faith that goes through fire and ends up strengthened and stronger and a faith that goes through fire and ends up destroyed? Because that happens sometimes, right? I'm sure you know people. Maybe you yourself have gone through that time. Where you've gone through a hardship and you went, you know what, I'm dying. This Jesus thing did not help at all. It happens, doesn't it? So what's the difference? What's the difference between a faith that goes through the fire and is stronger and a faith that goes through the fire and is destroyed? There are a couple things. You can write them down if you want to. I would have them on the screen for you, but my intern was in Cuba this past week, and this is a new program, and I don't know how to use it, so I miss my intern. Glad you're back. It'll be a present on your desk. So, anyway, here are the things. First, remember the gift of your new birth. Remember the gift of your new birth. going through a hard time. It's great to look back on what God has already done for you. Say, so you know what, Lord God, I don't know what you're doing right now. I have no clue what you're doing in my life right now. And whatever it is, it's painful and it hurts. And I'm not happy about it. But I know you love me. I know you'll see me through. I know you've claimed me as yours through baptism I'm your kid. Even if I don't feel happy about it right now, I'm your kid. You're going to see me through. Because I'm yours. So remember the past. Remember me, your new birth. The second is this. Remember the gift of resurrection. Remember your future. I was listening to a, a sermon by Tim Keller, and he was sharing about Victor Frankl. And Frankl was... Um, uh, a gentleman who was uh, interned in Auschwitz. And uh, I just read online uh, some days ago that a lot of people these days don't even know about the Holocaust anymore. So if you don't know about the Holocaust, it's been during World War II, six million Jews approximately were killed for being Jewish. And they were interned at these concentration camps. One of them was Auschwitz. And Franco was interned in Auschwitz and um, was a uh, Allied forces came through and he was rescued. 
And Franco wrote on that experience. He said there were a couple people who were in Auschwitz, a couple types of people. He said the first type were people who experienced the brutality and the horrors of Auschwitz and acted out on their fellow prisoners. They absorbed, they went to the fire and absorbed all the brutality and the anger and the hopelessness of it all and took it out on other people. That was one type of people. Maybe you know something like that. There's another type of people where they were going through it and they were okay and then one day they just were done. They completely lost all hope, refused to get out of bed, no matter how much they were beaten. They were just done. And he says those people all died. He said there's a third type of people. There's a third group, and they were focused on the hope of the future. They were focused on that, that one day they're going to get rescued, and they're going to get their businesses back. They're going to get their families back. They're going to get their homes back. They were focused on that. And then they got rescued, and they went back out in the world and found it wasn't coming back. None of it was coming back. And Franco says those people all fell into depression, and some of them committed suicide. He said, there's a fourth type of person. He wrote this. The ones who truly overcame Auschwitz were those who had a fixed reference point beyond the world, something they held onto that was out of the grasp of death and destruction, because life in a concentration camp tears open a soul. And what Frankel hinted at, Peter points to. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given you new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Remembering the resurrection enables you to put your hope on something that's guaranteed for you because what Jesus Christ has done for you is not guaranteed. It's not based on your circumstances or what might happen, or what may happen, or what hopefully will happen, and then when it doesn't happen, you're crushed. Peter says, true hope, true and lasting hope, is not based on what might happen and in your circumstances, but what is already guaranteed because of Jesus' incredible love and sacrifice and mercy for you. So the first part is remembering the gift of new birth your past. Second part is remembering the gift of the resurrection, your future. And the third part is this. Worship through the pain. It's the hardest part. To worship through the pain is to praise God in the midst of whatever you're going through. And it's not easy. Uh, the psalmists do it all the time. You know, Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I have anguish in my heart? Look on me and answer, O oh Lord my God, or I will sleep in death. And then the psalmist goes on to remember God's faithfulness in the past. And the psalm ends with praise and adoration of God. He says, I will praise you. I 
will give thanks to you. I don't feel like doing it right now, <laughs> but I will. So know who you are and know what you've done. And that's why gathering together on a regular basis is so critical. Because sometimes you just have to worship through the fire. You have to worship through the pain. You have to worship through the hardship and say, Lord God, I don't feel like it right now, but I'm going to be here with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to worship you. Because of who you are and what you've done. I'm going to receive your supper, that reminder of your presence and your promises again. I'm going to receive community. I'm going to praise your name. For you are God and you are good. And I don't see it right now. But I know it. So, praise be. Praise be to the God and Father, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given you a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance kept in heaven for you that will never perish, spoil, or fade the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your gifts, new birth, a living hope, resurrection. Lord, those are gifts that endure. Those are gifts that cannot be taken away from us. Those are gifts that are promised in your word, that are promised by your sacrifice, that are promised through uh, simple physical ways like simple water in your word, bread and wine in your word and your promises. Lord Jesus, may we rest in your promises. May we be secure in your gifts. May we live boldly and courageously Because of your resurrection. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.